Hey, good evening. Evening. Hey, it's cooler this evening. Doesn't it feel a lot better in here? Yeah, feels a lot better out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got our air conditioning fixed. That's yeah. a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, feels about right almost. Anyway, um, we as Christians have tremendous blessings and resources. I don't have to talk as loud tonight, do I? I don't have to talk as quite as loud. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We are soldiers. We're soldiers in the army. We uh, have to fight. We know that. We've seen that in Ephesians 6. But we've seen before that, we've uh, five chapters or so, we've had the resources and the blessings that the soldiers need. And uh, what we're going to do is just take a few moments to look and look to see what some of those blessings are. All the things that have happened to us as Christian soldiers... So we can fight. In verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I really don't have to go any further. I could stop right there because we have every spiritual blessing. But then he says in verse 4, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So what does He do? He gives us every spiritual blessing. He chooses us. Verse 5, having predestined us. So we're chosen. We're predestined. The next one is adopted as sons uh, by Jesus Christ to Himself. It's all according to His will. Uh, Ephesians 1. We're starting right from the very first chapter, the first few verses, just showing our blessings that that we have. And uh, tying this in with this whole aspect of our warfare, you guys have been involved and engaged in warfare this past week. Whether you you forgot or not, you are. You're in it. Uh, Sometimes it may not seem like it. And uh, I say praise the Lord if that be the case. But you're still in it. (laughs) Um, So we've been uh, adopted. We also see in 7 that we have been redeemed. Uh, We have been forgiven. Uh, The riches of His grace have been lavished upon us. All that's uh, just in the first, well, first seven verses we've seen that. Uh, We see also that we get in on the mystery of His will in verse 9, for instance. Uh, We also see that uh, we have an inheritance Uh, Because of Christ, that is what is waiting for us. We see that we are sealed. The Holy Spirit, a promise. Verse 13, verse 14, we have a guarantee there. We also see that we are loved by God. Um, That is just an amazing thing to be thinking about. He loves us like He loves His Son. We've seen that before. Chapter 2, first three verses shows the condemnation of man and his uh, depravity, his deadness, but then it shows that we have been made alive. Made alive. And then we are for His workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, right? Just kind of skipping through a lot of this. We have peace with God. We are one uh, in Christ. One with Christ. We are. Uh, there was an illustration that showed us three pictures in Ephesians 2, I believe it was, where we are seen as citizens... We're citizens of the kingdom. We're also seen as family. That's even better, isn't it? Where you see Him as Father, not only the King, but He's the Father, and we are in this fellowship. But another one is that we are seen as a temple. 
We are a living temple. These are amazing blessings that Paul just keeps bringing forth, keeps building it up. He shows that we are powerful in Christ. In Christ, always Him. Unity of the Spirit. We're gifted by uh, the Holy Spirit. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 5, be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, I've skipped, uh, obviously, a lot of things. But those are an immense amount of things. Uh, verse 3 says every spiritual blessing. That uh, takes it all. So now we come upon the full armor, and that's a blessing to have, to know that we are equipped to take on the enemy at any time, all times. Uh, God has given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. So, as we've seen those blessings, we're now reaching a crescendo of the book of Ephesians. You thought we were there before, right? I thought we were there before too, but no, it just keeps on going and building up. And now we come to the crescendo right at the end of this great anthem that Paul has written in Ephesians. And we see that there is a tremendous list of blessings. And then we have to realize what Paul realized. When you see how much you have, there is a temptation to kind of have a self-satisfaction and just kind of be in a lull because you have all these things. The same thing happens in the material world. We have all these things. We're secure. We don't need God so much. I don't think we'd ever say that. We always know we need God, but yet sometimes we take comfort in the things around us. And sometimes we can become arrogant in our spiritual riches. Satan can then come along and turn our thoughts to ourselves. And we look at all those blessings and we start surrounding ourselves with those things rather than the giver of these gifts and these blessings. And then we start taking it as uh, maybe kind of a human success. Look what I've done. God has given me these things, but it's because I've done this and I've done that. And now all of a sudden we turn everything in on ourselves. So we can become very smug. I think we can become very, I think, self-satisfied, even self-righteous, especially when things are going right. When things are going good, watch out. Because that might be the time when Satan is baiting you up and he's ready to just kind of let you go in a lull. And so we see that Paul is now going to turn into where prayer comes in to um, wrap all this up. Everything has to be wrapped up in prayer. So what Ephesians does, it lifts us up to the heavenlies. Chapter 1, boy, just a myth. Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. He's taken us to the heavenlies, and then all of a sudden, you know what he does? Boom. He ends the whole thing by pulling us down to our knees. Do you see what's happening here? As we've seen what he's done and equipped us, and then he comes into verse 18 and says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He brings us to the level that we need to be. And we are at our best when we are what? On our knees. And there's the humbleness of it all. So when we look at the blessings and everything that we've been given, then we must balance it with the fact that we are humbled by it all. This great God has given us. Just because we have blessings, we have not arrived. 
We're not there, as Paul said um, in, uh, in another place. I forget where it's at now, but uh, forgetting what lies behind, and he comes on and says that uh, uh, he hasn't arrived yet in that sense. We need God. We need God constantly. Whether we are going at our best, uh, things are just clicking right along, all cylinders are happening, we still need God. Things are at the worst, and we know we need God then, right? We always must be in prayer because of that. The gift without the giver is bare. It's a bare gift without the giver. And that's who we want to concentrate on as we look at this tonight. In light of that, let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. Thank You for, again, having access to You, going boldly with confidence before Your very throne. And we know we do not deserve it whatsoever to be able to come to the King of the universe and have prayer to make petitions. But You have provided that for us and not only provided it, but You will it that we come to You and do that. We are commanded to pray. And it is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, It is a blessing, but yet sometimes our minds tend to wander when we pray. And help us tonight, Lord, as we pray here and as we read Your Word, that we would understand what the plan of uh, this warfare is about and then also having... Uh, the communication with the Commander-in-Chief, You. So help us tonight, Lord, by Your Holy Spirit to be able to understand Your Word. For the Word and the Spirit go together as we continue our walk in You. In Your Son's name, Amen. Well, that verse 18. Incredible verse. After all the pieces of the armor of God have been brought forth to us, we come to an area here that is not merely talking about another piece of armor. And we don't speak lowly of that. We know we need those pieces of armor. But though we know that those are very important. But all the time, we are fighting the enemy. We are to be in prayer. Before we even think about even putting the armor on, And then at the time that we are fighting and then constantly, even after the battle seems to be done, we keep in prayer. For we know that the enemy uh, is always in battle. Uh, Prayer. Very air we breathe, isn't it? We breathe. uh, And by talking with our great God. It's a strategy. Uh, Prayer is part of this uh, strategy in which it is fought. Uh, We cannot faint, can we? We have to breathe that air in. We must take on our strategy of this. So each piece that we put on is to be done with prayer, whether we take the whole thing at the same time and knowing this is God's armor. You don't always have to go through each piece. It's, it's good. It's, it's a good reminder. But it's knowing that we're putting on Christ, knowing we're in the battle. And I think, as he says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, uh, Everything that we do is to be done in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We fight in the Spirit. Um, we read the Word in the Spirit. We are in the Bible study in the Spirit. Matter of fact, even the mundane things that we do, washing the dishes, eating, whatever, is to be done what? In the Spirit. 
in the Spirit of God, being filled with God's Spirit. So every piece is very important, but each piece will not suffice unless we're living in a close relationship with God. And that's where the, the prayer comes in there. Uh, in verse 10, if you back up a little bit, I think it kind of gives us a little bit of a handle on what this can mean. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You can't fight the devil in your own strength, right? Now, we took a couple of weeks on, on that. Um, what happens is that people can become very orthodox, which is a good thing, very doctrinal, very sound, great theology. And the danger of that is, believe it or not, there is a danger in it. And we always say, hey, keep studying the Word of God. Read it constantly. Be in it every day. But what can happen is that when we become orthodox in the sense that we start setting aside our prayer time, we don't value the time of prayer and we spend more time on getting head knowledge and we never uh, want to take that down. We know that's important. But sometimes many who love theology do not participate even in prayer meetings. And prayer is so important. Your own individual prayer and prayer with, with another and prayer in big groups. Uh, sometimes we don't see the absolute necessity of prayer. The warriors have to get together, don't they? And, and know what the strategy is and know what we are to do in the battles that are to come and, and being obedient to the Lord. What the, the devil would like us to do if we want to study the Word of God would like us to just focus our attention on that and never realize where the power of God comes from uh, in prayer and being led by His Spirit. So the balance is there again. The um, the aspect of truth is so important, but we can't forget all the other aspects that go with it. Living it, praying, they all go hand in hand, don't they? Not just one-sided. So what is our secret resource? Prayer. Secret resource. You know, you can take the weakest Christian, and I'll say maybe one who is young, one who has been beaten and had a hard battle and doesn't even know what's going on. But at any period of one who is even weak in his walk, at any moment, at any circumstance, can cry out to God and instantly have all the resources that are there. They're there, but we have to cry out to Him. And in His infinite sovereignty, God has those for us at uh, the disposal. Right there. So even the youngest Christian who doesn't really know much anything but that there's a Father and there's Jesus and He's saved us from our sins can cry out to Him and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might via this way. So that is our point one there. That's how prayer is actually connected to the armor that has been given to us. So it, it comes right on the heels of it. Matter of fact, this is... Uh, part of a sentence. Verse 18 breaks off of verse 17, but in the Greek and even in your English, you'll see it's still part of that that one sentence. So what does he say? What does he say? Praying always. Praying always. Praying. Just praying itself. By the way, let's look at verse 18. Let's look at the word all. A-L-L. 
That's a detergent, isn't it? What is that? Is that still around? Yeah. Pretty good stuff? Uh-huh. Now it's called Almighty. Oh, really? Seriously? Yes. You just make this up? No. Isn't that it, isn't it just a That's the name of it. Called what is it? All and Mighty. Small and Mighty. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. Look at this. Praying always with all prayer. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. And supplication for all the saints. By the way, there was praying always there too, which is part of that. So you see the uh, the emphasis on that? Must be something to that, isn't there? The uh, word uh, prayer is prosuke, and it's, think of prostrating yourself, putting yourself on the floor, you know, before God. It's kind of that. It's a general term for prayer. So when you think of prayer, this is probably one of the words that you think of. Uh, everything and anything, all is under the heading of this word, prayer, prosuke. Um, there are all kinds of prayer. There. Um, is the public prayer. There's private prayer. There's loud crying, and there's the soft whispers, and there's silent prayer. There is a planned prayer, and there's a kind of a prayer that is spontaneous just at the moment. That happens a lot, doesn't it? There's a prayer that when you when you sit, when you stand, when you prostrate yourself, when you kneel, um, when you're at home, when you're at church, when you're at work, when you're at Walmart shopping, <laughs> need prayer there, right? Huh? Driving. Driving. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows that one, right? There's so many you can find her. There we go. She drives people to prayer, but you're not behind me very long. Well, maybe on the. <laughs> How about when you're in front of her? <laughs> Did we say on the job? Did we say that? Okay. Um, how about when you have your eyes open? When you have your eyes closed? Yeah. Head bowed, head erect. You can go on and on. The time when it can be done and the, the, the positions and all of this. This is what this is talking about. Praying always with all that kind of thing. This general prayer that, that you do. There's another one that goes along with this. Praying always with all prayer. That's the prosake and supplication and that is a word is deasis and it means when you have a need uh, a want uh, that you're, you're making a supplication for the Lord for something that you really need that's, that's a good thing he says praying always with all prayer and supplication so that that is one that's a little bit more of a specific type of prayer here there's general prayer that takes in all kinds of praying. Now it comes in with our special request, uh, desires that we may have. If God has put it on your heart to pray about something, He's given you that desire. You have the desire, but God gave you the desire. Okay, you pray about it. And you pray that He gave you a desire, right? Okay, so there's a variety of prayer. God is a God of variety. Well, He's given a variety in prayer in so many ways. And you look through Scripture and just the ones that I just mentioned were just a, a sample of all the different kinds of prayer. Barb? It's interesting what you said a minute ago about your head down, your head around, and whatever. I was talking to a co-worker who is a very um, staunch 
Southern Baptist, and we were talking about prayer, and told us, I always pray, especially when I'm traveling, starting out traveling on a trip, and, you know, I may pray for the first 20 minutes, and so the preacher said, well, you can't really be praying because you have to bow your head in prayer. Uh, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I don't really think God cares if I'm standing on my head and sitting on my head. Could you do that for us sometimes? <laughs> <Can you? laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. It's like saying you can't worship if you're not singing an intro. What's that? What's that? That's like saying you can't worship oh, okay. if you're not singing Yeah. Uh, we worship always. Matter of fact, worship and prayer are so connected, I don't know how you can even really uh, divide them. It's, it's all one. And we, we pray or we, we worship God you know, on, a, on this constant basis, and that's what we're kind of headed into. But yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's to be always. You know, we we might meet in a church or a Bible study once or twice a week. What's that? I told her next time I was driving and saying my prayers, I bow my head. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, close your eyes. Well, yes, she did say that actually. So. Unless you're in the hands of the Lord, make sure your eyes closed. You're not praying. Okay. Well, we know about certain counseling, don't we? When you do that, make sure I'm not right. You know what? That's an idea that people have, and that's what makes makes it right. And it can't be that without that. But when you go through Scripture and you see the truth of the matter, then it's like, where did you get that? Where? where? When do we pray? That's easy, isn't it? Praying what? Always. Keep on the alert at all times. Jesus, he'd spend whole nights in prayer. He was up on the mountain. Get by himself. Look in Luke twenty one thirty six. Was Jesus in battle? You know it. Watch, therefore, and pray always. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch for his coming. That's one thing. Watch. Watch. Be ready. Pray always. Look in Acts 2.42. Early church. Very early church. And they continued steadfastly. This is the church. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. There's the word, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, communion, and in prayers. They continued in that, it says, didn't it? Steadfastly. They kept on doing it. It was just a part of their lives there. Chapter 10 of Acts, verse 2. This is Cornelius, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, there is a a God-worshipper, a a God-fearer, a devout man. He's not known as a Christian here because uh, God is going to send Peter to make sure that he becomes a Christian, but he was a religious man, very religious, uh, devout, prayed, gave alms, prayed to God always. And then God sent the right one to him with the Word of God, gave him the Gospel, him and his household and all the people around him, 
that uh, came when Peter presented that message became believers. Uh huh. <laughs> Always is a little more specific, right? Yeah, I that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Being devoted, devoted to prayer, devoted to prayer, giving your all, really meaning it. Look in Romans twelve twelve. Because he was doing that, it allowed, I think, in God's timing and such, um, for that to be done. God knew that he feared him and such, but he was going to give him the, the truth of the gospel. And he was praying, and then finally God brought it to him. Ooh, let's see. Romans 12.12 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Any other versions on that? Constantly. Constantly. In prayer. Or is it regularly in prayer? <laughs> Romans 12.12 12. Continuing steadfastly or being constant in prayer. We get this over and over and over again, don't we? I don't want to beat a dead horse, but turn to Philippians 4, <laughs> verse 6. You know, sometimes... 4, 6. This is not a dead horse, is it? Oh, you know this one, don't you? Be anxious for nothing. What's that mean? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. For no- And nothing. 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 But in everything... Now, here's the opposite. Here's what you do. You don't worry. You don't have anxiety about what you do. You go to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request or petitions or like like the word we used earlier there be made known to God. And what happens as a result of that? I think most of you testify to this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's good to know. Boy, whenever uh, whenever it comes up as quite uh, the trial or we're wondering about tomorrow or whatever, and he says, uh, go right into prayer. Yep. Yours says that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's life. That's your version. Okay. That's, that's your translation. I think okay. everybody. Oh, right. Yeah. First we worry, and then we cry and whine, and then we ask everybody else. And then we pray. <laughs> and you know, we always know what we're supposed to do. Why do we do that? Why do we. Because everybody else knows something different. And the right answer is somewhere else. Well, sometimes it's good to have some good advice from other people and for have other people praying with you, too. Yeah, and if you have really wise counsel, they say, pray, pray. Keep praying. There you go. Well, worked it out with me. My stomach's getting a little tight bowl in there. It reminds me to pray. It's like fasting. There you go. What's that? Yeah. I said, my husband thinks I need to worry a little bit more about life. To be worried. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we're the opposite. He's the one to worry. He worries. Like, you're huh? the God. Worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Are you just going to have to give him these verses tonight? No. <laughs> Colossians 4 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. Vigilant. 
with thanksgiving. So even while it's not even happening for you, you should be thanking Him. Even thank Him before it even happens. Even before we get the answer, thank God. Second um, Timothy one three. We we just keep going through some of Paul's writings. He he just couldn't say this enough, could he? Second Timothy one three. A very impressive theme that he has here. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day. Hey, that is rather convicting. He's praying for his people as he writes to Timothy. And he says, night and day, I remember you. I'm, Timothy, I'm talking to you, but he's also talking about all the people there at, at Ephesus and the church. And uh, I'm sure it was an, uh, an ever-constant, ongoing prayer for others because he knew so many of the saints, many that the Lord had brought to him, and he he led them to the truth of the gospel, and he kept praying for them. Oh, go to Psalms fifty-five. Let's do an Old Testament. Back to the Old Testament, Psalm fifty-five. A lot of a lot of prayer verses there, but we'll turn to one or two here. Seventeen, evening, and morning. And at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Oh, I like mine better. What do you have? This is me. I love poems. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint ah. and moan, and he hears my voice. You know, that that was the one that I wanted. Thank you, because my version actually... Said it a little bit differently. That explains a lot there. I cry and whine all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he hears me. Now, now I know what that noise is. <laughs> now, how about the ones that are not of his? God will hear and afflict them, even he who bides from of old, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. So on the other hand, the people that do not pursue Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of their prayer life. That is how you are tested. Whoa. Our relationship to God is measured by our prayer lives. Wow. Thank you, Martin. That's convicting. Oh yeah, he does that. He wants us to pray, so he'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> Make sure we pray. What what we're kind of looking at is what it does mean, uh, but what does it not mean? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six seven, some people take it into the religious mode, as some of you guys were talking about earlier, and when you pray setting up the model prayer here, our Father in Heaven, right? And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They even do that. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Vain repetitions. Over and over and over. I'm sure that some of you would uh, know some of those kind right there. And there are probably many different examples. Hail Mary, right? 
over and over and over and over. Say 100 Hail Marys for that sin. Right? Or it's a mantra. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All of a sudden, they've turned the Lord's Prayer, which is a model prayer, into something you just say and you don't even know what you just said. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's a good, great model that's set up there for us. It's good to know. It's good to memorize. But if it turns into an automatic by rote, then what is that? It's a vain repetition. Uh, But the heathen were even doing that, we see. So it doesn't mean that in just the religious cold hard mode just saying things but it's communicating with God okay what what it does mean is now this is one way many different ways to bring this forth but I think this is a good way to kind of help help us with this set your mind on things above not on things on the earth Philippians just told us do not be anxious and then go in prayer, the moment we set our minds on heavenly things, or on the things of God, um, the things where uh, God has, as far as the spiritual gifts are concerned, or spiritual blessings are concerned, um, Christ, who is our life, right there, turning our attention on that. So, you know, to sum it up, I guess the way that I like to think of it is it's just living in God consciousness. How can you like Barb was saying, shut your eyes every time or fold your hands or get in some kind of position that is to look really some kind of a spiritual kneel. mode. What's really that? Hard to kneel yeah. <laughs> How can we do that and do this always, right? If we're living in God consciousness, we're seeing everything, everything in the light the way that God sees it. That's the way we want it. It's a kind of prayer. It's, it's always having a deep awareness of God. Knowing God is there. You're just enjoying the sunset, knowing that God is there. You are eating a meal. And of course, you say a prayer before that, right? Knowing God is the one that brought you this food. You're at your job and you're saying, thank you, Lord, that I have a job. That we have a flow of income. We have transportation. You know, it's just knowing that God is there. Oh, thank you, God, for just that that little thing there that happened. May not mean anything to anybody else. Um, thank you, God, for even this trial that you brought. For you're you're making me stronger. Yeah, Barb. And I was reading her last post on her blog. And that's what she was doing, was telling her nothing. And I thought, what thanks that is, because when you're sitting there watching your child getting ready to take a glass of breath, that you're still focusing on the eight years she had with things, you know, everything. It's just really. Yeah, that's recognizing. Recognizing God is in that, in, in, in everything, in all that whole journey. Yeah, to, to recognize of saying, okay, this has been a blessing. I, I may not have ever had Him. Right. Right. Um, that's a that's uh, that's amazing. When it's all said and done, God is getting the glory and His will is being done. We don't understand it, but we can say, we know You're in it, Lord. You're right there. When we know that, 
that's what makes us be able to get through this terrible warfare that we are underneath. And uh, it's a great thing. When we're tempted, take it to the Lord. When something good happens, immediately be thankful. When we see evil all around us in this world, we know that God is going to make this thing right. When we're in trouble, we desire that the Deliverer comes, delivers us. You know, God's greatest desire and our greatest need is that we would be in constant fellowship with Him. That's His great desire. His desire is that we'd always be before Him, recognizing He's there. And our greatest need, there is nothing more needy that we have than to be before our, our God constantly. The ultimate test of my understanding of scriptural truth, the real test, is not how much I've been in the Word of God, which is important, very important. We never erase doctrine. But alongside with this, that it is surrounded by prayer so that we can get understanding to it and so that we can also then apply it to our lives. And now it's not just a head thing. The more I know should drive me more to seek the Lord in fellowship. Okay. How about the power of prayer? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. He says, in the Spirit. I think that's the the key thought. Um, Supplication in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. What it doesn't mean is some kind of Can you say uh, mystical type happening or praying in in some kind of tongues? It, 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 pray, praying in the spirit or living in the spirit, being full of the spirit of God, doesn't mean doing something that uh, is is some, seems so magical, mystical. Um, when he said in Ephesians five, "Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit." He was talking about being led along, controlled by, letting God have His will in you in, in everything. That is what the idea of is praying in the Spirit. True prayer is to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in concert, in harmony with the Spirit of God. Um, God has His desires. We have our desires. What we want when we go to prayer, is that we would have our desires to line up with what His desires are. Not to go before Him and take our desire, or take His desires and make them match up with us. We want what He wants. We pray that the desire that I have is what You've given me, Lord. And if it's not, please, don't give it to me. I want what You want. Um, I'm always amazed when people say, well, God answered my prayer, and yeah, He answers all of them. He just doesn't answer all of them the way you want. Way you want it, yeah. And 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 people believe that if they don't get what they ask for, then God didn't answer. Prayer. He didn't. He didn't hear them, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think we teach children to pray that way too. We teach them, "Oh, I want a puppy so bad. I'll pray about it." You know, and give God to send me a puppy. You know, and I, I, 
deeply feel about it, yet I feel like I keep teaching, teaching preschoolers who are so egocentric in the first place <laughs> how you can begin at that age to teach them to align their prayers with God's will. I think I just mainly want to get them talking to God is what I'm doing. And I, and I don't know oh, you're talking about a God-centered prayer? Rather than him being the genie and giving us what we want, right? Yeah, Quite a difference. Yeah, with his will is so important. When I prayed for a puppy and I didn't get it, so there is no God. Right. Right. And, and we set kids up. We set kids up like that. I prayed for a little brother and I got it. What'd you get? A little brother. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I told my parents. Must have, must have been. I told my parents I was going above them. Oh, oh. They weren't praying for them, right? No. Oh. <laughs> Evidently, God had something in mind, didn't He? Who directs our prayer? Holy Spirit, right? Who creates the prayer that we have that's lining up with His will? The Holy Spirit. Who empowers us to offer that prayer? The Holy Spirit. He's involved in everything we do. Kind of reminds you of Romans 8, doesn't it? But while you're in uh, Ephesians, just turn to chapter 2, verse 18 for a moment. For through Him, through Christ, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. You know what? You see the Trinity there? But it's it's the Spirit of God that we are able to even get through that. It's like He's working us right into the Father. It's because we're in Christ. Now go to your Romans 8, 26 and 27. Amazing thing. So often we just don't pray for the things we should be praying and we're not even praying at the time and guess who's praying for us? Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We're human. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered nor he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's an amazing thing. He's always praying for us. And it will always be the will of God. Always. It's according to that. And so we know if we can be in line with the Holy Spirit in what He's doing, and even when we're not, God's will is going to be done because the Holy Spirit is praying for us. So we might have to get our prayers maybe tuned finer a little bit. And that's where some of the time comes in. Or it might be just making us stronger or patient, knowing that God is going to go ahead and do what you're asking for anyway and what the Holy Spirit is praying for. But He wants you to keep maybe asking for it. You know, the importunity, 
And of course, I think we have verses on that. But um, he has a reason why he may not immediately answer. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But we know the Holy Spirit is there doing it, even when we are weak, which is quite a bit of the time. Should we not pray for somebody healing them? Oh. Be, be praying for the very uh, well-being of anybody. We don't know if how long this is going to take or if it will. If somebody has cancer and we, we pray for them. I think it's, it's God's will that we do. But the thing is, is that ultimately God is going to do what He's going to do. You know, we we can't go in there and do that work itself, but we can pray to Him, and it may be very well. And it's great when we hear a great praise report, and all the people have been praying about that person, and boom, they're cured of cancer. Well, we got to get in on that. God did His thing, but what happens if He didn't? Does that mean people weren't praying and people weren't believing God that He could do it? Well, it may not. It may be that God says, "Hey, listen, they've served their time here. I want them now." You know, that's looking at the way that God looks at it. But most often, we want to look at things the way that we look at it. And we miss them. And why did God do that? Why would He want to kill them? Well, He kills us all eventually to take us up to be with Him. So you pray for their healing, I think that's a good, safe way. I think we see that throughout Scripture. It, it, if it be Your will, Lord. Because we don't always know. But the Holy Spirit does. And He is interceding anyway. Yeah, but we are. To, to, isn't that great? We're in conjunction with the Holy Spirit in praying, when especially when we're lining up with that. Yeah, how many times have we prayed and prayed and said, Lord, I know that you've heard this prayer probably about a thousand and ten times by now, but here I am again. And I'm at, but he might kind of gear it another a little bit different way, and we're seeing it this way, and all of a sudden, boom, it, it clicks right into gear. Maybe. Um, go to Colossians, uh, Philippians three three. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Ah, John 4, the woman at the well. Worship in Spirit and in truth. So truth and the Spirit, or the Word of God and the Spirit of God always go together. So uh, there again, that's the idea of in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, worshiping in the Spirit. Everything you do should be worship, isn't it? Everything you should do should be uh, wrapped up in prayer. So it's in the Spirit. And as He's even praying for us. Look in Jude 20. We don't go there often, do we? Hey, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to understand this little circumcision thing. You got about two minutes afterwards tonight. <laughs> you want to understand the whole thing now? Briefly, that was a Judaism, and that was that was to that was a uh, kind of like a, a seal, a sign uh, that you were in the covenant of Judaism. And it, when it, whenever it went over into the New Testament, the, the, there were Jewish people who had become Christians, and they thought they had to keep doing this Judaistic ritual 
Even though there are some. Okay. All right. All right. What's that? Is that kind of like nowadays? Yeah. Right. People still think that rituals or legal legalisms or just that in itself, right? Okay. All right. Oh, they can't do it. I don't know that passed. There's a bill. Interesting waves. It's okay. Every twenty or thirty years, one better than the other. So it'll come back somewhere along the line. What about the manner of prayer? We're back in Ephesians. <laughs> oh, we had Jude 20, didn't we? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There again. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. We've seen about the Holy Spirit who intercedes. Anything that we can do. The only way that we can pray is through God's Holy Spirit to the Father. He's our very channel, but He is the person. He's not just a channeler, is He? Like New Age says. He's our way to get there. Now, back into our Ephesians, and it says, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. Perseverance. Being watchful. On the alert. I think we kind of mentioned this before. Watch and pray, right? How about persevering? Persevering in prayer. Um, Hebrews 11.27 By faith, this is Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the word for persevering, to endure. I think we probably have our hupomeno there again. Persevere, to bear up under. That's what we do in prayer. We persevere. That's, that sounds like something you really have to stay at it, even though it's kind of hard, doesn't it? Look in Luke eleven nine. It's a discipline. So I say to you, ask. It will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Keep doing it. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. That's a constant persevering thing. Um, The manner of prayer here is that it's a specific prayer. It's specific asking for something that is specific, not just general. And what happens is that God is going to be able to put His power on display. Uh, when we have this prayer. So when we, when we don't pray specifically for certain things, then what we're doing is we're shorting ourselves, um, not only of getting that answered, but we're not allowing this glory that uh, of God or the very power of God to be put on display. Uh, there are particular people that we need to pray for. God bless all the missionaries over in Africa, right? We can say that. But isn't it a lot better when you know certain ones that you'd be praying for those particular ones? It's great for all the missionaries, but what about that one guy that we know that 
really need he might need us right now, might need our prayers. Uh there are there are particular problems that people have, there are particular needs that people have. He was a personal involvement in the prayer. Is that what you're yeah. And and to not just do a general prayer, you know, just just hey, God bless everything. Amen. So you wouldn't fall asleep in the middle of that one. Well, this isn't necessarily a glorified from that because you can say, well, I prayed for this missionary and like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, anybody could say, yeah. All of a sudden you got a truck, you know. How would anybody know? Let's say, well, yeah. But when we know what that need is and we pray for that and then we see it happen, you go, God's worked there and He let us get in on it. So He was glorified, wasn't He? He's always glorified. The only thing is, we cheat ourselves of seeing glory when we don't pray specifically. That's why it's good to have group prayers and people bring it up or individuals say, hey, I need you to pray for this. Yeah? Or you pray for one of your enemies that you no longer talk to. That they... Okay. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies, right? <laughs> What's that? Pray for those who Yeah, pray for those. Yeah, he's sovereign, right? Okay. Well, I can tell you right here. Because if for nothing else, He tells us to. I think there's probably a lot of reasons. Because we get to see His glory. It tests us. It tests us. Are we depending on Him because we need Him? But you say, well, He's going to go ahead and do it anyway. But yeah, how much are we going to miss out on that personal relationship with Him? But isn't that how we get to be part of glorifying God? Because when we pray, we're just... Really, a sincere prayer is just agreeing with God, right? Yeah, if you want to His will, you're me of course putting out my wish list out there. Because ultimately, what are you going to say? If it be Your will, Lord, right? Right. What we're saying, what we're doing is we're giving ourselves to God every time we pray. We're doing it over again. We're putting ourselves back on the altar because we probably crawled off. (laughs) So we're just. Basically, isn't that the glory that God gets from us? Because I'm trying to figure out how do I glorify God? How does God get any glory out of me? Plenty of things. You know, the prayer is the the thing that, because now I'm saying, you're right. You're right. That's what I want. That's what I'm after. I'm after whatever it is you're wanting for me. Now it's taking the Word of God and it's taking that now into something that is really tangible and specific in my own life, right? And everybody else doesn't get to see it, maybe, but, you know, all the, the you know, the heavenly beings are watching, too. I mean, they got to they gotta be fascinated. What a God. Yeah. <laughs> what a God. Janice. The first reason we pray is because God's commanded. <laughs> yeah. Right here. <laughs> Okay, so let me answer my question. What you got? I didn't hear your question. If you pray for one of your enemies, nine times out of ten, you're not going to see if God works in their life. No, really, I'm not. No, they may not be around. You may not talk to them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
all you're doing is agreeing with God, and that's the glory that God gives because you're back on the altar. You're saying, you're right. I'm wrong. I don't like the guy. I don't get along with him. But you're right. I This whole prayer thing is awesome. It's awesome when you when you get to agree with God. It's like that's where the that's where you bring God glory. And even if you if you pray for them and you never see any results, yeah. you've still you've you're actually giving yourself up. Yeah. You're you're sacrificing yourself in the sense of saying that person is is still important to God. God created him, so I'm going to pray for him. May not be any results, or you may not see the results. It may be later on, way after you died, let's say, or you moved away, or he moved away, and never hear anything about him. But guess what? Sometimes you hear about certain people who became Christians, who were people you really didn't like. And what's one of the first reactions as a Christian? It's you got to be kidding me. And then you say, "Well, praise the Lord," because that life has now changed. But you may you may not ever see it. Then that doesn't matter. Now you're you're thinking less of self, and now you're thinking of highly now esteem others more than ourselves, right? Well, it's easy to be nice to be nice Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me to pray that God would bless my family, but it's not easy for that. I think Jesus said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What I was alluding to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't want that to happen, did he? Really didn't. He still was obedient to God, but God was using it. Hey, our great you know what our greatest focus should be, though, in prayer? Spiritual needs. We were talking about earlier about physical, you know, the the health or material things that we need. And and we are to pray for that. We're to pray for the bread, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And those things should be prayed for. God expects us to pray for those things. We should be doing it. But there's something that's even more important, and that's our spiritual needs. Our own spiritual needs, and then obviously what's next is uh, the other saints, their spiritual needs. Because when you look at it, when Paul is in prison, or he has handcuffs on him, uh, whatever, what does he want them to do? Pray for me so that I can get released and get out of here. Does, do you ever see that? No. You see, would you pray for me that I am able to get the gospel to these guys that I'm handcuffed to? Or or whatever, that, that this gospel can get out. Um, or that we would grow. In Ephesians chapter 1, we have a great prayer. Right? Starting at verse 14. In chapter 2, we have a great prayer. It's that we would understand the great knowledge of our Lord and Savior and, and understand the, the love that He has for us. You know, it's about our spiritual needs. That's even the most important. Uh, victory over temptation. That's an important thing. How about realizing that we are cleansed from our sin, not only for justification, but an ongoing cleansing as we have sinned and we have confessed uh, the warfare. 
We should be praying for ourselves in our warfare, praying for each other. Uh, how about that people would know God, right? That they would really know Him. Uh, the well-being of God's people. Uh, lastly, I had a bunch of scriptures of that, but uh, we're right at the end. You ready? We're right at the end of this verse. Praying always with all prayer, supplication, in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now that is incredible. That is where we talk about the objects of our prayer. I think about my problems. I think about my difficulties. I think about my fears and my hopes. Well, bring those before the Lord, but there's something that's even better, and like what we were just saying a while ago, we need to have our hearts soften and start thinking about other people even more than myself. Pray for yourself. But Paul usually says, pray for me that I would... He asks others to pray for him. The result can be self-centeredness whenever we're praying so much about my problems and my difficulties. That is so natural to do. But I don't think that's always the pattern. I mean, it's a good thing to pray for, but don't be so stuck on that. We are mutually dependent upon others to be praying for us. We need each other's prayers. The greater the Christian... And I say that in quotes because uh, how can you say a greater uh, a greater Christian, but one who is walking in the Lord realizes his dependence upon others, others' prayers. Mostly, I think we are to pray for others more than ourselves. Ultimately, Paul asked other believers to pray on his behalf. The best thing we can do for another person. Listen to this best thing you can do for them. Now, there might be physical things you you should do and, and you help people out and whatever, but the best thing you can do is pray for somebody. Somebody that really needs that. Remember the, uh, the verse? It's out of 1 Samuel 12, 23. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Far be it from me. I think Bart Larson has that as his theme verse. I think he's had some things on uh, Bot Radio. Yeah, that's a that's a key verse. That's really good. Um, we're to be devoted, I think, for the welfare of others. And if we were to look what Paul says in Ephesians 6.19, the very next verse after, and for me, pray for me. Why? That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that I can go out and give the good news. How about Romans 14, verse 7? Last verse, and we're out of here. 14, 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. So, we're in the Lord. We're all in the Lord together. And here we are that uh, we're not only living for the Lord or desire to live for the Lord, but we live for others. No matter what we might think of them, we are to be doing that and so that they would be built up in the Lord. Prayer is a powerful thing. And it will defeat the enemy if you wrap all your weapons up in that prayer. And so I can see why that verse comes in right after the six pieces of the armor it helps out. 
Let's close with prayer. And uh, if I could call upon Eldon to close us. Remember, Lord.